Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Matt here. Guess what's happening on this week's binge list? The biggest mystery here for me is why someone of Julia Roberts' caliber would want to be in a show like this. There's intrigue, sex in the shower, bullying, a nudie run. Got that sort of really forced jolly vibe where people sort of feel the pressure to laugh uproariously at things that aren't particularly funny. (laughs) Things creeping into people's bedrooms and banging on the walls and all that kind of stuff. So so don't watch this straight before going to bed like I did with one of the episodes. (laughs) You know, we're all getting closer and closer to the grave. That's what I got when I watched this. <laughs> wow. A depressing twist. Fix and specs go dark. But it was Ruby, Ruby, Ruby. And it really should have been Trudy, Trudy, Trudy. We're a sophisticated, interesting show that's being weird. I'm sorry. I couldn't take this seriously at all. Back to Binge List, your weekly guide to the best on TV. I'm your host, Matthew Denby, and joining me in the studio is Who's resident TV guru, Gavin Scott. Claire Rigdon is having a great time on holiday, but she'll be back very soon. Hurry home, Claire. In the meantime, we've got some great shows to talk about this week, don't we, Gavin? We do. Looking forward to it. Okay, this week sees a huge movie star returning to TV, with Julia Roberts starring in Amazon Prime's new offbeat mystery series, Homecoming. It begins on November 2. Gavin, this is an interesting one, isn't it? And not just because of the casting choices. What did you think of it? It is very interesting. Homecoming takes place in two time frames, and we're actually going to see that in a few of the shows this week. Uh, So we kick off seeing Julia's character, a counsellor called Heidi Bergman, working at a place called the Homecoming Centre. And she's working with returned soldiers, trying to integrate them back into everyday life. And she's working with a guy called Walter Cruz. They have a really good rapport. So it seems like everything's going great. But then... We skip ahead four years and Heidi has returned home to the small town she grew up in and she's looking after her mother there and working as a waitress. And a Department of Defence employee tracks her down with all sorts of questions about homecoming. What happened? Why did Heidi leave her job? Why can she not remember what happened? Or or can she remember and is she covering something up? It's very intriguing. There's lots of questions and the skipping back and forth between time frames... um, works really well. It's not like Maniac where I had no clue what was going on. I don't really know what's going on, but I can follow it enough to to keep going with it. I'm pretty intrigued. Matt, what did you think? Look, I have mixed feelings about this one. It's kind of interesting, kind of intriguing. The concept of having 25-minute episodes is very modern, very digital aimed at, you know, the digital audience. But I found that even though it's packaged in small time frames, it still crawls along at quite a slow pace, which I found a bit annoying. It's kind of interesting in in the way that Maniac was. It's got that sort of self-consciously weird set design and sort of weird vibe and a certain ambiguity about the time and place that it's taking place in. And then we have some sort of also self-consciously weird moments, like we've got a pelican who's sitting in the courtyard of the homecoming centre and it's sort of making weird noises and they keep flashing back to it. It's kind of like a little symbol saying to people that we're a sophisticated, interesting show that's being weird and stick around and we'll see what this pelican's all about and what it means. I 
I found the mystery at the heart of this kind of intriguing, but my interest in that mystery ebbed and flowed as the episodes went along. Like there were some moments where I really got sucked in. Like there's a moment right at the end of episode one where Julia Roberts gets confronted at the diner. I found that kind of interesting. But then I thought... I'm not going to stick around for this whole series just to see the mystery eventually get teased out when the flesh on the bones of this show, the stuff that fills in the gaps, really isn't holding my attention. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. I had my attention held. And because, as you say, they're only 25 minutes, these episodes. I think the longest one is about 30. I've seen three of them so far. And just when it starts heating up, it ends and the credits start rolling and you're like, oh, really? And so I, I think it's made for binging in that you want to go on to the next one, or at least I did. And I think there's only eight episodes in the series, so you can get through it in a few hours. So I don't think there's that long to wait to, to, to get to the heart of the mystery. It's not like Maniac where there are hour upon hour of yeah. just what is going on here. I feel like we know enough that, you know, something went wrong at Homecoming. This guy is on the case. He is investigating. And he's not going to take no for an answer. He goes and sees Julia's character and she kind of shuts him down. But he's like, no, 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 I'm not having that. And by episode three, he's digging through the archives and, and finding things and finding the paper trail, things like that. I'm going to stick with it. But one thing I do like, and which we haven't mentioned yet, is Bobby Carnavali, his mm. character in it. He plays Julia Roberts' boss, but they don't share a, a scene together, at least in the episodes I've seen anyway. He has these phone calls with Julia Roberts where he's basically just yelling at her, telling her to do all these jobs while he's off doing... In episode three, he's at a kid's birthday party. In episode one, he was packing up some facility in Asia. Asia or something, and he's, he's having these weird phone conversations with her where he's just yelling at her saying, do this, do this, do that, and she's trying to, to cope with him. I, I found that really interesting. What, what did you think of Bobby's involvement? Yeah, he's quirky. It's interesting, and it sort of plays into this whole mystery about what exactly is homecoming, who's behind it, and where is it even? Because there's some question about where it's actually taking place. It's supposed to be in Florida, but is it? That's a question that gets raised quite early on. The biggest mystery here for me is why someone of Julia Roberts' calibre would want to be in a show like this. It's just a, a quirky, interesting little digital TV show. What do you think's going on there, Gavin? I was reading uh, an EW cover story with her today, actually, um, just coincidentally, and the guy behind it is the guy behind Mr. Rose. So I think that may have had a lot to do with her getting involved because obviously Mr. Robot has been very well received in, in recent years and her conditions for doing the show was that he directed every episode and also that all the scripts for the show were complete before shooting started on a single one of them. Very wise. So she basically wanted to see, right, what's this show going to be? I want to see beginning, middle and end and then I'll sign on. And so obviously she was happy with it. And as you say, why does Julia Roberts need to do TV? She doesn't need to do TV uh, except that the best stuff is happening on TV and I guess she wanted to be part of that. That's true, that's true. This show does have a lot to recommend it. I don't want to um, come down sounding too negative about it. But when you've got other shows on at the moment, like, say, Bodyguard, which is just non-stop enjoyment, non-stop high-quality TV, I just don't have the energy all the time to persist with something like this that's just teasing out a moderately interesting kind of mystery. But obviously, Gavin, you feel differently. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's very Hitchcock, and I see that description used a lot with this show. So it does feel a bit old-fashioned. Um, in terms of the time frame, I think it's 2018 when we're seeing her working at Homecoming. And so right. the future scenes, I guess, are 2022. That's four years, yeah. So it's a, a 
near future where it, it's all being pulled apart and the investigation's happening. But it does feel like, yeah, it could be happening in the 50s or 60s because of the way it's shot and, yeah. and the, the feel of the show. And it does feel there are these things, shots that go down stairwells and you just go, that's straight out of a Hitchcock film, I'm sure. Mm. Um, so there's, it's definitely an homage to, to that kind of... Not old-fashioned, but I, I guess classic thriller, classic uh, you know paranoid thriller um, that genre. I like it. Clearly, we we don't quite agree, but uh, but yeah, check it out. I mean, you know, again, it's Amazon Prime showing that you know they don't have all the shows that Netflix and Stan have, but they do have when when they do have a big show, it, it's a big show. There's nothing bigger than Julia Roberts on TV. Yeah, I think listeners do check this one out and see what you think yourself. Homecoming starts on Amazon Prime on November 2nd. Who Magazine's binge list? True crime is hotter than ever and the ABC has joined the fray with its docuseries Baron Joey Road, which is available now on iview. This one re-examines the case of 18-year-old Trudy Adams, who disappeared on Sydney's North Shore in 1978. It's quite a high-profile case and one that changed a lot of people's attitudes regarding their personal safety, with many of us feeling a lot more insecure, even in our own quiet, leafy suburbs. But despite the familiar subject, matter this show manages to discover a lot of interesting new information what did you think gavin i'm sorry i couldn't take this seriously at all there's way too much of abc journalist ruby jones in this all those shots at the start of her standing by the beach with her arms folded looking out to sea as she thought about the case all those shots of her shifting through paperwork writing on the whiteboard you know headphones round her shoulders you know looking to camera talking i just kept thinking it's not about you ruby or at least it shouldn't be. And, you know, I know she's doing the investigation and it's her case and it's her project. You, you know, I was interested, if I was going to be interested at all, with and with true crime things, that's, that's always a big question, but I was going to be uh, interested in the case. I wasn't really going to be interested in, you know, Ruby running around and what she thought and, and, and what she did here and what she did there. And, yeah, that, that kind of killed it for me. I, I lasted 15 minutes. Oh, my God. Look, I have some sympathy with some of your points there, Gavin, but I enjoyed this a lot more than you did. In fact, I was quite riveted through a lot of it. I think it's really powerful the way that this focuses on some of the cultural aspects that preceded Trudy's disappearance. The fact that there had apparently been 14 really horrific rapes in the direct vicinity before she disappeared and none of them apparently had been reported to police before she disappeared. Sort of uh, ties in with this notion of people being frightened of reporting their rapes because of the cultural attitudes at the time and the sort of the boys will be boys attitude and then you go into some even darker stuff than that about alleged police complicity in some of the crime that was happening locally and even if there was some kind of a drug angle in Trudy's disappearance. I also thought there was an incredibly powerful moment in the first episode where they interviewed some of Trudy's teenage friends and they showed a lot of photos from their their teenage years with Trudy in them. Now, if you're like me, you would be very familiar with Trudy's case because it's one that constantly comes up in the media and they I always used to show this one photo of Trudy, which was a black and white passport photo, and that's all we sort of knew her as. And when you see all these new photos, oh, new to the public anyway, of Trudy, when she's just a young girl hanging out with her mates, you see the person and it becomes much more human and much more emotionally resonant. I thought that was really powerful. But 
on negative points, I do agree with you that the the centering of the journalist in the narrative of this is really quite annoying in some points. And I think it's an example of podcast culture, true crime podcast culture starting to make its way into documentaries. I do understand that sometimes the traditional documentary format can be alienating and boring for some people, but Like you, I just want the facts. With Ruby Jones constantly being centred in this, it's all about Ruby's feelings and thoughts. At some points, I'm not interested in Ruby's feelings and thoughts. I'm interested in her work uncovering information, which she does very well here, and she brings a lot of interesting stuff to the surface, like, for example, the possible complicity of some police in covering up or looking the other way with certain crimes. Now, that's really interesting stuff, and that's going to make this documentary quite a headline grabber as it proceeds. So if you're a true crime fan, I definitely recommend watching this. Gavin, are you 100% against going back to this? Oh, yeah. I'm not going to check it out anymore. It's it's the serial model. I was watching it with my partner, and uh, he was saying, oh, it's like serial on TV, because apparently yeah. I haven't listened to serial. I must be the only person in the country who hasn't. But apparently serial is showing the workings of the investigators. And then we did this, and then we did that, and that kind of thing. And so I guess it's putting that on TV and yeah, showing her at the whiteboard and showing her at the computer. And then she gets her colleague, you know, he comes up and they have a conversation about, about what they're going to investigate and what they think and all that kind of stuff. It felt a little bit like the making of Baron Joey Road rather mm. than Baron Joey Road, i.e., you know, this was all the stuff that went into making the investigation. And for me, in that first 15 minutes, all that stuff you talked about just then. I didn't see much of that. I saw them interview a couple of people, but it was Ruby, Ruby, Ruby. And it really should have been Trudy, Trudy, Trudy. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, no, no, I'm sure she is a wonderful journalist. And, and you know, I, I Googled her and, and she's won awards and very highly regarded in her field and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like if you're making this show for entertainment, you know, true crime as entertainment, you want as much of the crime in there as possible. And, and for me, there, there just wasn't enough of the crime in, in what I did watch. And there was too much of watching Ruby put it all together and, and her thoughts and all those shots looking off to camera and, you know, there was a shot where she's driving somewhere and then the camera goes into the rear vision mirror and there's Ruby. Yeah. It's just like every possible way of getting her in frame was shown and, it was, it was, yeah, it was just too much for me. Yeah, and I think we should just clarify that this is not a Ruby hate fest because she does a fantastic job with putting this together and I would never assume that it was her choice or her decision to centre herself in this. There are other people involved in this whole process. It's It's a format that's probably been imposed from above. Who knows? Look, I think if you do like true crime, please do watch this. I found it quite powerful. I'm going to watch it all the way through to the end. And I do hope, sincerely hope, that we get some action in terms of getting this case closed because Trudy does deserve justice and her family do deserve justice, especially for a poor old mum who's not with us anymore. That was really sad. It's always sad when the parent of a child who's missing never gets to see justice. I found it quite emotional in places so do give Baron Joey Road a chance it's available now on iview check it out and let us know what you think TV news it's TV news time and an old favorite is returning to our screens the ABC's Spicks and Specs is the daddy of all the recent comedy panel shows and it feels like it never really went away to be honest but there's a reunion coming with the show returning on November 4 have you been hanging out for this Gavin I wouldn't say I've been hanging out for it because as you like you say it doesn't feel like Spicks and Specs has, has ever 
really gone away, and it hasn't. It's always on ABC Comedy. Every time I turn that on, there's a, there's a rerun of Spicks and Specs. But I am glad it's back. I did like Spicks and Specs. I, I did watch it religiously at the start. Um, I got tired of it after a while because it was kind of same old, same old. It didn't mm. seem to go on for a lot of years. But I did really enjoy it, and so it is nice to see it back on air. But do you know what the first thing I thought about when I watched this reunion special was? What is going on with Alan's hair? Oh, it was huge. You know, when you tune in on November 4 to watch, you'll see what I mean. It's huge. I don't remember Alan ever looking like that, but that was my first reaction to this because it was the first major change. Everything else about it is pretty much the same. Uh, Adam Hills is a little bit greyer these days, but uh, it's it's kind of the same old format, or at least the format of those Christmas specials they used to do where they go for a little bit longer than a normal episode. It's an hour instead of a half an hour, and they pack in all sorts of guest stars. And, and that's what we've got here. We've got the normal panellists who are on. We've got people like Denise Scott back, Frank Woodley, who I was a little bit disappointed to see back on. I, I'm not a huge fan of Frank's, but I would have liked to have seen Hamish Blake. Hamish Blake seems to be the person who was always on Spicks and Specs. It would have yeah. been good to have gotten him back. Uh, and they, you know, they play the games, all the games we love. Look what they done to my song, Ma. Know your product. That thing where they get someone up with a book to read, the you know, to sing using the words in the book instead of the actual lyrics. That that game, I can't remember what it's called. All those games are back, and a few new ones, and so many guest stars are, are packed into the hour. So it was a lot of fun, and I am glad it's back. I wouldn't like to watch it every week, but but yeah, as, as a one-off, it was pretty good. Did you enjoy it, Matt? Yeah, it was like pulling on a comfy old pair of slippers. There's that sense of familiarity uh, that you get when you watch this, you know, like being with old friends and, and having a nice relaxed chat and a giggle. On the downside, I think it sort of suffers from that usual problem that you have with uh, comedy panel shows where you've got that sort of really forced jolly vibe where people sort of feel the pressure to laugh uproariously at things that aren't particularly funny. And moderately. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that, that yeah. gets on my nerves a little, but I'm nitpicking when I say that. Mm. I think there's some really good celebrity appearances, some um, cameos in this for retro music fans. Was that really Pseudo Echo we saw in the episode? Well, it was one of them. Yes, it's certainly one of them. There's a lot of 80s and 90s pop stars popping up here and there. And um, as someone of that vintage, it sort of made me feel quite a bit old when I saw the state of some of these people. Mm. You know, we're all getting closer and closer to the grave. That's what I got <laughs> when I watched this. Wow. Yeah. De- de- depressing twist. Fix and specs goes dark. But it is a TV institution and it's nice to have it back. It's a yeah. must-watch for fans. I don't think they're really going to win any new fans, but a lot of people out there love this show. I enjoyed it, so do check it out if you like Spicks and Specs. And Claire was lucky enough to speak to Adam Hill. So so Claire is going to be part of this episode. She's, she is. She spoke to Adam before she went off on holidays, and he is what he had to say about uh, yeah coming back for the reunion. I want to talk to you about Spicks and Specs. I mean, in some ways it feels like you never went away because in our house we watch you every night, pretty much, um, once ABC for Kids finishes up. And, um, yeah, tell me, is it it a little bit weird turning on the TV every now and again and seeing yourself from, like, 13 years ago or whatever? Do you know what's going to be weirder? What was weirder, actually, was watching... Because I've already seen the final cut of the episode. What's weirder was watching that and go, oh, man, my hair is really great. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's what viewers are going to... If the show hadn't been on at all for the last seven years, maybe the memories were dim. Yeah. And then you turn on now and go, oh, yeah, good, they're back. But because it's still on every night, (laughs) as you say, it's me 13 years ago every night, Mm -hmm. people are going to watch me on, what, 
and the night before on ABC <laughs> Comedy and go, oh yeah, I remember him. And then the next night I go, whoa, that dude got old. Was it important to make sure that Miff and Alan were involved and that it was the three of you when you were deciding to do the reunion? Well, I mean, I, I'm not sure that we made that decision because I think we were all asked, you know, I think that the, the, the question came from the ABC, would the three of you come back together and do a reunion special? So we always had an agreement, even back in the day, that we'd never do it. One, one of us would never do it without the other two. Oh, like cool. It had to be all three of us together. So I don't think there was even a, a millisecond of thought that, that, you know, I think I was asked and I said, look, I, if Niff and Alan are up for it, I will definitely do it again. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, it, it, it's just an unspoken agreement that, that it has to be all three of us. Do you think that you would um, sort of do a few more? I mean, it, how, what, what's your schedule like? Would you ever sort of reform? I guess it's pretty much impossible now with your commitments with your show in the UK. I mean, the last leg is taking up, you know, we're doing at least 30 weeks a year. That's huge. It's hard to, to do a proper series again. Having said that, I mean, we got to the end of that, that reunion special and went, oh, that was fun. Uh, and I kind of said to Miff and Alan, I would, I would happily do one of those every year for Oz Music Month. Yeah. And I think they were possibly keen to do that as well. They seem pretty excited by the idea, so... That's good. Who knows? I'd, I'd, I'd love to come back same time next year and do it all again. So that was Claire talking to Adam Hills. Nice to hear your voice, Claire. One thing I will say about the reunion special is there is a big finale. I don't want to spoil what it is, but Matt, you mentioned people who grew up in the 80s and 90s. If you grew up in the 80s in Australia, there is a song that you can't have avoided and they pull that out for the all-star finale and it's pretty. it reminded me of that time that John Farnham performed You're the Voice at the Arias about a decade ago. And even if you hated You're the Voice, you were up on your feet singing along because, you know, we all grew up with it. Similar to that without the bagpipes. Yeah, a lot of fun for viewers, so do check it out. To binge or not to binge? That is the question. Gavin, you've been watching The Haunting of Hill House, which is currently available on Netflix. Tell us all about it. I have indeed. And if you haven't got into this Netflix horror series, there is no better time given it's Halloween, the day that this podcast comes out. And the internet has been going nuts about The Haunting of Hill House, which is a bit of a tongue twister. And so I decided to check it out. It's another show like Homecoming that flashes backwards and forwards. So in the past, which I think is 1992, we see the Crane family move into a rundown old mansion they intend to renovate and flip. And that's when spooky stuff starts happening, including some major, major stuff that tears the family apart. But then there's all these little things that occur that are pretty freaky, like things creeping into people's bedrooms and banging on the walls and all that kind of stuff. So so don't watch this straight before going to bed like I did with one of the episodes. (laughs) Then in the present, the grown-up kids are still dealing with what happened all those years ago. And there's the five kids in the family. One of them wrote a successful book about Hill House. One of them now works in a mortuary. One is a drug addict. One works with troubled children and one, well, you know, I won't spoil everything. But they're still contending with what happened to them all those years ago. Now, this isn't about things jumping out of cupboards and, you know, frights and things like that. There are those moments, but it's kind of so it's a little bit more insidious than that. So if you like a slow burn horror, this is for you. And my advice is to binge before things get spoilt because I feel like this is a show that people are 
just come, coming around to it. It came out a few weeks ago and it kind of passed me by, but then suddenly the buzz has built and built and built and people are jumping on board and, uh, yeah, social media is going pretty crazy for it. So if you don't want things spoiled, and I'm only up to episode three, so I'm going to try and get through the rest of it as quickly as possible, I would say binge, binge, binge. Now, Matt, I know you like quality horror. Are you going to check this out? I will check it out. Yes, I'm not a horror nut, but I do like really high-quality horror, like really good stuff. And I have heard some good things about this show, so I'm going to give it a try. I'm not really into any sort of um, genre heavily just based on the genre. It's got to be good stuff. So, yes, I will give this a go, and your recommendation has got me interested. So, if you're interested in watching The Haunting of Hill House, it's available now on Netflix. It's time for this week's Hidden Gem. The Hidden Gems are often the best. And, Gavin, you've been watching Elite, which is also on Netflix. I have, and it's another teen drama from me. That's what you get when Claire goes away for two weeks, the hidden gems become teen dramas. Oh, God. So last week it was All-American, which I mentioned felt like a bunch of teen dramas put in a blender. And Elite feels like a mix of a bunch of other shows as well, including Gossip Girl, because it's set in a private school, Riverdale, because it's a little bit dark, and Big Little Lies, which I know isn't a teen drama, but it does cover some similar territory. So Elite kicks off when three students from an underprivileged school, which was destroyed by an earthquake, start at an exclusive private school. The private private school has agreed to take them on I guess as a bit of a charitable act after the tragedy and to say that these three kids don't fit in is an understatement they're poor the other students are rich uh, one of the girls is a Muslim who wears a headscarf and all the other students uh, I don't know what denomination they are but they kind of look at her as a bit of an outsider which she is the other guys are from the wrong side of the tracks that kind of thing so it's definitely a clash of cultures and once again we have a show that flashes forward and backward in this case the future is a murder investigation with cops interviewing the different characters which is why it's a bit like Big Little Lies but um, apart from from that murder mystery in the future, there's intrigue, sex in the shower, bullying, a nudie run, drugs, graffiti, the Muslim student being told to remove her hijab or risking expulsion, a debutante ball, you know, standard stuff. Well, one of the sex scenes is something you'd never see in American teen drama. Oh, that's because this is a Spanish series. I haven't mentioned that. And I would strongly recommend not watching the version that's been dubbed into in, uh, into English, which seems to be the Netflix default. I just started watching it and I was thinking, this dubbing is terrible. And it is. It's really, really woeful. But you can go into your settings and watch it in the original Spanish with English subtitles and it's much better. It's much more enjoyable watching it that way because, yeah, the dubbing is pretty horrendous for this one. Uh, so, yeah, so, so check Elite out and do it with subtitles. It means you have to read, but, you know, these are the sacrifices we make. Okay, sounds interesting for fans of team drama. So check that one out on Netflix. And that's it for another week of Binge List. Claire should be back on board next week, and we're really looking forward to having her back. If you have any feedback on the show or any suggestions about what you'd like us to cover, drop us a message on Twitter. I'm Mr Matt Denby, and he's Gavin Scott 99 See you next week when we'll be talking about Outlander and House of Cards. In the meantime, happy viewing. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 